legacy vampire made vampires with love see their reflection in a mirror. We're hunters. More importantly, you're my daughter. Which is why we've decided you're ready for your first kill. Used to killing monsters. But that would depend on the definition of monsters. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast, where age is nothing but a number in life and in fandoms. I am Sheila Amato, and you can find me and my wife on our website at foreverfangirls.com. And I am Kimberly Amato, and you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at foreverfanpod, same handle, three socials. We are your hosts, and we're glad you can join us. On today's episode, we are going to be covering the Netflix series First Kill, uh, which just came out, if you're listening to this sometime in the future, this year in 2022. It is a story of star-crossed lovers where one is a vampire and the other is a vampire hunter. What could possibly go wrong? What indeed? Well, we'll definitely delve into that. But before we do, I do have to do my standard spoiler warning because if you listen past the banter, you will be spoiled. So when this drops, uh, it will be a little over two weeks until Erper Homestead Convention or as we know and love it, Akon. Yay! Yay! Yeah, there are uh, 19 confirmed guests, you know, Melanie... Kat, Dominique, Tim, Michael, Kate, I could go on. Mm. Um, but the schedule has been up and it is jam-packed with photo ops, autograph sessions, meet and greets and more. So please go to their website for all the information about the convention. Yes, we'll have that on our uh, show notes page um, in case you don't have it. But Acon will be held in Toronto on Friday, August 12th through Sunday, August 14th. And Kimberly and I will definitely be there as attendees. But also... Also, as panel moderators. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sheila uh, will be moderating the POC panel on Saturday, and we will both be moderating a uh, panel titled Happy Endings Are Possible with Emily Andrus, showrunner extraordinaire. Yes. And I'm also... I'm terrified. I'm excited and scared in the same breath. You know what? It's it's she's, it's she's someone I look up to. I understand I'm, that. I'm going to be afraid. It, it, don't be afraid. It's <laughs> going to be a fabulous conversation. It's going to be all good. Okay, but um, that is that panel um, is on Sunday. Yes, and so if you are planning to attend, please be aware that there are still COVID protocols in place, and you know we will be wearing our masks and taking precautions. But hopefully, we'll get to see and meet you there in person. Yay! Yay! Come say hi. Oh. So excited. Um, in the meantime, though, uh, let's get started on our first kill discussion. So I'm not going to do any little FX thingy for the voice. Oh, look at that. Okay. Here is a short summary from Netflix, since, of course, this is on Netflix. Uh-huh. Falling in love is a tricky thing for teens, Juliet and Calliope. One is a vampire. The other's a vampire hunter. And both are ready to make their first kill. What was that? Oh, come on. Vampires, old Oh, my British, goodness. You know. Okay, fine. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Anyway, um, I am just going to go straight into the good. Go for it. Uh, so the leads of the show, as well as Ben, who is, who is Juliet's best friend, are established to be queer. I actually like that because it is just part of who they are. It's, it's normal. It's no big deal. It's not a plot device. Oh, isn't that great? It's not a plot device. No. And what I absolutely adore about it is the way the families act about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. They're accepted. Yeah. It's, um, but it's like, um, you know how normally they'd be like, 
asking what guy you're going to date. And this way they're just like, what girl are you going to... It was like mm-hmm. so basic, normal, everyday stuff mm-hmm. that it made me smile. Yeah, I, I in particular, I'm thinking about that scene where Calliope brings uh, Juliet home and, you know, they're up in the room and then the parents come up and said and say, the mother said her full name. Oh, said, God, yeah, when you're in trouble and your mama calls your name, ooh. Right, and she said, what are you doing closing your door with a girl in your room? Right. right? So it was like, oh, nice. Yeah, that was, a, that was a great moment. Yeah, so the fact that it's just there is fabulous. Um, I, I really enjoy the fact that we have two strong female leads. Mm. Um, and, and not just that they're strong female leads, their mothers are also strong female characters as Mm -hmm. well. So we don't just get the stereotypical, hey, we're going to give you two strong women characters and then everybody else is not going to matter and all the men are going to be more powerful. Mm -hmm. You got a lot of strong women in this and they all butt heads. Yeah. I mean, even the sister, Eleanor, is, is a force to be reckoned with. Take aside the fact that she can, you know, blink and you forget. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> what and the it's, it's a power is. that not many they don't understand. I believe they mentioned right, right. Um, but she's she's strong in her own right because she accepts who she is fully. She has this confidence that she just exudes. She's always known what she's wanted. It's never mm-hmm. she doesn't have. And, and the other part about Eleanor is I don't feel that she's look. We know she's tropey. I'm not going to deny that she's a tropey character, but it's a character that isn't done so far over the top where it feels like, oh, she's just out for power. She's just out for this. She does have flaws. Mm-hmm. She does have an agenda, but she's a flawed villain. Yeah, she cares about her sister, right? Mm-hmm. She she cares about family, definitely. Um, and she is very protective of her dad, even. Right? For lack of a better word, she's human. Mm. So, you know, speaking of strong leads, right, there, the, there is strong pressure to conform, right, from Juliet's side, Jules, to become a vampire. You know, she, she hasn't awakened. I don't know if that's the right term because she hasn't had her first kill yet. So she's been taking blood pills. Well, she's fighting it. She's not sure she wants to hurt people. And everybody's right. telling her, you have to kill, you have to kill, you have to kill. And she's like, but what if I don't want to? Can I just feed and not kill? It's tradition, right? Yeah. But on the flip side, right, we have the guild and the vampire, well, not the vampire hunters. Technically, they're monster but they're, hunters. They're monster hunters. You know, they've been training. They're, they're also in their own way following quote, unquote, tradition, right? But Calliope starts to question why they are hunting because when, when she was growing up, she was taught that all monsters are, are bad, and they have to be eradicated. But then in meeting Jules, she's starting to see, you know what? She's not that bad. Yeah. Aside from the fact that she does fall in love with her. And, but even when um, her brother is turned, mm. she knows her brother. And, you know, the father's like, we got to kill him. He's no longer, he's not my son anymore. You mean Calliope's brother. Calliope's brother, yes. Forgive me. Theo. Again, it's not that every, everyone and everything are the same. Right, there is diversity. It's you have different, different people, different things, um, different monsters. They're just trying to find their way in the world and questioning things. As you were talking, I was actually thinking about a scene with the mother of Calliope when Theo was turned into a vampire 
and it's her stepson, mm-hmm. right? In this whole story, it's her stepson. Um, Apollo and Calliope are actually her own children, but Theo, in one of the lines that she said, you know, is he is her heart. She actually stood up to her husband, Jack, and said, you are not killing my son. Yeah. And that to me was a very powerful scene because she knows that it's dangerous that he is now a vampire because she was with Jack with his plan, right? She was into it. She wanted the the family to go up in in the ranks, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But there, her compassion took over and her love for her son to say, well, screw that. No, this is my son. I'm going to... I'm going to do whatever I can to save him, including going over to Oliver, because now that is what Theo needs. He needs a mentor, a vampire, to show him the the ropes. It's kind of interesting. What concerns me. me about Theo now, though, is Theo is the compassionate, loving, this is what we do, this is why we do it, explaining, and, and really not about ego, but about efficiency and knowing why you're doing what you're doing. Mm. And now that he's a vampire... And he's under the tutelage of Oliver. What will happen? What will happen to him? Mm-hmm. Because having Oliver at the end and his witch girlfriend and everything else, it is something to be concerned about. Well, that's why, you know, when season two comes, it will hopefully explain all of that. Um, now, the the whole thing of this, right, is, is about monsters and vampires and how monsters are, are all Lions bad. and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Yeah, and I mean, that's why I said in the beginning, you know, it depends on your definition of monsters because this whole, you know, in in various episodes in this eight-episode series, you know, we see different monsters. They're not the vampires or the ghouls or the zombies. Um, so let's start with Oliver and Eleanor, right? We were talking about them. Um, they, they are actually twins. Mm-hmm. And they really are, by the end of episode eight, we see that they're really, you know, two sides of the same coin. They go about it different ways. He is more vengeful. He is a con man. But isn't she as well? She's a little more straightforward. He is a con man. He is a vengeful, angry person, which I understand when they finally explained why, but he is a con man. But she he was comes a con. In, she, I don't say, I don't say she is so much as that is. She uses her power deceitfully. He is someone who gives you a smile to your face and stabs you in the back. She makes you believe what you did, you did, and then lets you run with it. Mm. She doesn't do anything. But conversely, do we also know that that's what was shown to us really happened because it was told to us by Oliver? I know. That's why I'm like, okay, you know what? Both of them are hiding some hidden agenda. They have a hidden agenda. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Bunny Wheeler. So she is Ben's mother. And when the vampires and monsters and everything else start coming back out, she goes crazy and starts forming this uh, this this group. I don't remember, ma'am. Mothers against monsters. Uh, yeah, something like that. And she is sowing fear and bigotry against anybody who could be 
vampires. Yeah, and she has that excuse of, um, you weren't around when the monsters were here before, before they were gone. You don't know what it was like. We're not going back. And her son says, but maybe not all monsters are bad. Right. And she is so blinded, which is why I think there's the element of trauma and and everything else that has never been dealt with. I mean, she's an alcoholic. Right. Let's see, what else? So we mentioned Davina Atwood earlier. Mm-hmm. And she is the, you know, the head of the Legacy Vampires. You know, she is very, very against her son-in-law. You know, at every turn, she is just disparaging him, right? Um, Not using his last name, not acknowledging the fact that he is part of the family, that he and um, uh, her daughter actually were married that they you know her daughter turned him into a vampire because they were so in love right just did not want anything to do with the half human half vampire to the point of where you know she was happy to let him die when they were attacked Mm -hmm. and it was only through a deal that they made um, was it her daughter? Eleanor was going to yeah. marry some other prominent male, and they they which was the which was the the family of the, the individual that the mother was supposed to marry originally the, that walked away from for that Margot was supposed Margo, to marry. Yeah. It's interesting as well because that whole thing fell apart because of kids. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, she she realized Eleanor realized that if she was going to marry this guy, that she was going to have multiple babies until she produced a female heir. Mm-hmm. So she had like 10 sons. She still had to produce another child. And she was like, oh, hell no. Because that's, that's not what she wants in life. No, not at all. And so she was like, okay, you know what? Calling this off. But again, what is that? Power, mm-hmm. greed, monsters. You know, the yeah. guild, the monster hunter organization, they, they're very black and white against monsters. All monsters must die. Yeah. Look at what they're doing to Calliope's family now. There's no faith in them. They're hiding information from them. They send them the wrong weapons mm. to kill legacy vampires, but they have the information in the Faraday cases on how to kill them, mm-hmm. but they're not sharing it. So it's one of those things where they appear to be more monster than the monsters. Yeah, and they're supposed to be <laughs> the you know, above, uh, above board. Well, yes, they're the ones saving the world yeah. and making it a better place for everyone. Sound mm. familiar? Mm. Making um, decisions for everyone else to abide by, but they don't. Sounds very current political system right yes, now. Yes, it does. But moving on. But moving on. The one character that really got me in this whole thing is Noah. Because yeah. he was leading a double life, right? In public, he has a girlfriend, but in private, he is hooking up with Ben. And we know Ben is queer. And clearly Noah is just using him for, I don't know, his, re- his own release or whatever. I think, I think Noah loves Ben, but he's so afraid of who he is and accepting who he is that he has a girlfriend to feel normal That's because he's scared. I did not get that at all. I, that's what I'm inferring. Unfortunately, there's not enough in that storyline to actually get anything about Noah 
Mm. in depth to give a better i guess indication of why yeah so i kind of just inferred that from it yeah well for me i just saw him as using ben and i just wanted to say that his character got justice <coughs> yeah because his spine got ripped out okay i'm gonna start the bad because okay. this is a great transition mm. his spine gets ripped out it was done in a way where it still looked believable mm-hmm and it was done somewhat in an interesting way so that your eyes didn't like focus on bad CGI. Mm. And I know, so please don't yell at me, that they had a low budget. Mm-hmm. I understand there have been many articles about how they had to figure out where to spend the money and how to spend the money. Here's the thing. You could have changed different demons, different monsters. You could have shot things from the trees, made it look a little different. I mean, there's, there's so many other ways to do things. Mm-hmm. You didn't need to do so much CGI where I was laughing at it. Yeah, the uh, the first inkling that I got that the special effects weren't quite there was, um, I think it was in the first episode where, you know, they they showed the sons going off and killing, you know, going to a cemetery to kill monsters. And then they came back and then um, Apollo brought back um, a, a summon- summoner. Yeah. And so then there was this shambler, you know, in their house attacking. And as the three of them were coming down the stairs, the shambler threw like a, a vase or something at them. And there was like a delayed action, uh, reaction to the vase hitting. It was like a full one to two seconds after the vase hit. So it was just like really off. I'm like, oh. I was laughing so much at the CGI. Mm. And the thing is, they didn't need to do that. Mm. It was jarring. Well, I, I know that you were laughing at the, the scene where Sebastian ate Davina. Oh, my God. I can't. <laughs> I almost fell off the couch laughing. <laughs> I don't know how they could have done it differently, but maybe then don't write this. Well, I, Or do it off stage if you can't afford it. There's got to be something else than this... I oh it was in just 2022 so, yeah. yeah and don't okay all right <laughs> do not tell me this is compared to shows from the 90s that have a superior stories and superior special effects for the time because if you're going to compare it to that show you better damn well make sure it holds up to that show and it doesn't and I'm okay. just going to say for CGI you're going standard definition and old school CGI they blend together better high definition and old school CGI doesn't work yeah doesn't work okay so um. I guess in in another way where I kind of got the sense that this was low budget was um, we now watch a lot of things with the closed captioning on because it's easier for me to like really follow the dialogue. We also watch sometimes late at night as to not wake up everybody in our Mm -hmm. household. We do keep the volume down and and watch with captions on. Right. And so... As we were watching, um, you know, these different um, episodes, there were some that the the closed captioning was just atrocious. It was egregious. I could not. Um, there were words that were missing. There was no spacing. Yeah, the formatting was off in in several episodes, which was the majority. I well, no, the majority. We I remember reading it, going, "I th- this is wrong. It's just plain wrong." I remember in at least two episodes that that was the case. I didn't notice the formatting, but I did I did notice more so that there were missing words. 
And so for those who do rely on closed captioning, you know, that's, you do miss what they're saying, at least for me, because I'm hearing something and then, you know, what I'm reading is, is different. I really wonder again, maybe there's people in the finance side of this that maybe should have figured out where the budget needed to go. I don't know. Yeah, it's um, it's unfair. It's unfair and cutting corners where maybe it shouldn't be cut. Uh, well, I know that you found the opening music annoying. I thought it was campy. Look, <laughs> I laughed out loud when there was a reference to Edward and Bella. I was just like, "What?" I groaned. <laughs> she laughed. I couldn't <sighs> wait for the little skip thing to pop up. That is ugh. It's horrible. I understand it's campy. I understand this, people. I really do. But it was just such a... No. (laughs) I liked the beat. Mm. The words were... No. Okay. But aside from that, do you have any other bad that you want to bring up? The ending wasn't satisfactory. Mm. You know, like when you you watch something and it's a cliffhanger and you know it's going to be a cliffhanger, but you feel... You know what? I don't know how to explain it except to bring up Winona Earp Mm. because I'm, you know, I I very much love that show. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe it was the end of season three. Waverly is dragged into the garden. Mm -hmm. Um, Doc follows Waverly to protect her because he is a weapon. Mm -hmm. And we're left on a cliffhanger where what is going on? Then Winona comes back to town and everybody's gone except for Nedley. Mm hmm. So there's all of this stuff is going on. There's a huge cliffhanger. We don't know what's happened to our, our lovely characters, but here's what we did get. Bolshar's gone. We have a conclusion to the storyline and we have a satisfaction feeling because she goes, we're going to go get our people back. And he goes, Oh, wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oops. You but have too many buttons. There, I do. Baby. But Nedley basically, you know, Yeah. But the point is, he then responds, yes. And then we are left with this satisfaction of, hey, yeah, everything is up in arms. But you know what? The curse is gone. It's over. And now they get to fight for themselves. And yeah, they're going to go fight. And they're going to get everybody back. You get this satisfactory feeling, even though your heart is breaking because you don't know what the heck is going on and if everyone is okay. Well, you at the end of episode eight for for first kill i mean it's you know you know now for sure that oliver really is not a good guy okay but let's let's talk about the last episode in the last episode we find out that um margo is being challenged calliope and juliet are no longer together theo is now part of this whole thing with oliver who turns out to be working with the witch to take over um, the entire thing, uh, all of, of Georgia, wherever it's uh, Georgia, Georgia. Yeah. Um, you don't know what the guild is doing because they had the Faraday cases and they're doing there's, there's so many tendrils going on. It's like they threw everything in there to ensure that you would be wanting a second season where they didn't need all of it. They could have made the guild this backdoor thing. I like them being in there. I think the challenge to Margot should have come sooner. Mm. or could have waited to the next full moon like she had brought up. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think it should have ended with Juliet and Calliope walking away and then you see her bringing Theo in. You might not even needed to have seen Theo and Oliver going there. I understand you needed to see her, but you could have put her in the car and had her driving away. And the last thing as you intersplice the driving away and Calliope and Juliet staring at each other because what has driven a wedge between them? Theo, what Juliet did by accident. Yeah. That could have ended and been like, oh my God, my heart is breaking. And you have slight conclusions and satisfactory ones where you can hold on to, but you also still have these, oh, moments that you are still wanting to see completed. And I had none of that. Yeah, I have to agree. I, it, when it ended, I was like, ah. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of when we were watching Everything Everywhere All at Once and the black screen came and we were like, wait, oh, the movie's the, over? In the middle. In the of, middle of the movie. Yeah. And we thought it was over. Except in this case, it really was. Yeah. Well, I don't have anything else. So Neither shall, do I. shall we move on to the cute then? Yes, we can go to the cute. Okay. Um, I had mentioned earlier that there was a scene where um, Calliope brings Juliet home and you know, the mother says, what are you doing? Do not lock the door when you have a girl in your room. Mm-hmm. It's that same scene earlier where Calliope is actually saying uh, to her parents, because her parents were about to shoot Juliet, and Calliope saying, she needs our help, and obviously this is a lot for you to process, so I'll give you a chance to settle. And she and Juliet, you know, just slowly walk up the stairs. It, it is like, rather cute. Like, oh, look at that. She is now being the parent to the parents. It's like, calm down. Yeah. It, it was, Think about it. It was her standing in her own, in her own truth, in her light. <laughs> yeah. And it was cute. I loved it. Um, I loved it. I was, I was laughing at that scene. You know, you, you and I have pointed out that we like, when we talk about like Warrior Nun or something like that, we do like titles to have meaning. Mm. Um, and, you know, you actually have written down stuff here, like first kiss, first blood, first love. Um, most intense because it was the first time experiencing them. Mm-hmm. So at least I, I like that they followed that thread. Mm-hmm. And that was, I don't want to say it was cute, but it was, it was nice to see a con- continuity thread like that. Yeah. And the, the titles also were kind of showing you, you know, where the, the, the hills and the valleys were going to be because, you mm-hmm. know, it's the first, it's the first kiss. It's the first blood. It's first love. It's first kill, you know, but I'm <laughs> anyway wait hold um, on i have that <laughs> yeah why no. did i do that anyway <laughs> anyway anyway so is there anything else um i don't think so okay so that's our discussion of first kill and now it's a time for our forever fangirls rating drum roll please we rate first kill three stars and we agree on this I have spoken a lot about what I liked and disliked in this, more so disliked, and I'm going to keep it short and simple here. If they get a second season, I truly hope they will develop it more so that the storylines that are fascinating intertwine more to make it a richer and more satisfactory story. But I'm going to be 100% emphatic here. This is not, nor will it ever be, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I still need to finish Buffy by... Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Um, but, I mean, I, to me, the, 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 the series did depict 
intense feelings of firsts, right? Like we said, first kiss, first love, first betrayal. Um, it also shows that what you've been raised to believe could be wrong, right? We talked about it. Um, hate is something that is taught. Right, making a blanket assumption paints a large swath of people with the same brush, ignoring the diversity and uniqueness of each person. Um, I, I, I think there's potential in this series, and I'm not sure if it's going to be renewed because, as we record this, it hasn't been announced that there will be a season two. But, like Kimberly said, hopefully there will be one because then it will provide the opportunity to maybe have better special effects, better closed captioning. Um, maybe a little bit better writing and better execution, you know, so that the stories do intertwine, like Kimberly said. Yeah, we both agree. It is an extremely promising series. Mm -hmm. It's just, I felt let down. Yeah. And I didn't like that. Yeah. I wanted more. Um, We deserve more. Yeah. And I really hope, and I look forward to hearing because it's, being watched a lot that they get a second season so they can continue and maybe not rush everything because maybe they'll feel a little more comfortable that they have another season. Maybe they get two more seasons and things get laid out differently and they can plan ahead and they get a better budget. Right. I don't know, but I do think it's extremely promising, but that is going to be our show for today, folks. So thank you so much for joining us. Were there any key points that we should have discussed? You can let us know by leaving us a voice message on speakpipe.com forward slash forever fangirls podcast. And don't forget, if you're listening to this podcast on your smartphone, be sure to hit that little subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And until next time, stay safe, be kind, and remember, the world is not black and white. It's full of gray. Things aren't always what they seem. So a healthy dose of curiosity and an open mind may lead you to new possibilities and new relationships. Just be aware that it might also be a bumpy ride.